God is real as a result of uh, trying um, prayer. But uh, this morning, I want to speak to you about prayer because whether you're a follower uh, of Jesus or not, the most significant activity to, that you can engage in apart from worship, and wasn't worship good this morning? Just good to be in the presence uh, of God. But the most significant uh, activity that you can involve yourselves in is prayer because it connects your heart with God's heart. It, it actually is something that can move God into action, and it can make us effective in the kind of life that he wants us uh, to live. So the greatest gift that you could actually give your family, that you could give your friends, that you could give the world, is a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious version of yourself. An inspired version of you as a result of your connection with God. And spending time in conversation with God helps you achieve that because when you begin to pray and connect with God, it begins to transform your life on the deepest of levels. Now, having said all of that, I appreciate because it's been my personal experience, and I think I'm speaking for everyone in the room, that prayer can be one of the most elusive of all God-focused endeavors. Because every time we turn our attention to prayer, busyness seems to get in the way. Is that right? Or we actually find ourselves discouraged because, well, we've prayed about that before and the prayer didn't get answered, so why should I pray for it again? And we're disappointed. Or even our own ignorance on how to pray can easily stop us from developing a, a consistent uh, prayer life with God who can do, as we know, all things. So this morning, I want to give you two reasons uh, why we all need to be in day-by-day -day contact with God in the hope that it will actually help you to begin to stick uh, to your prayers with some consistency and also uh, inspire you uh, to pray more. And the first reason that I want to give you is actually found in a Bible story about a village community um, in Luke in the Gospel of Luke. And this is what it says, and the words will come up on the screen. Fantastic. Because all of that scares me. I'm really comfortable here, but I'm not so comfortable with all of that stuff behind me. So to have Debbie working all of that out is brilliant. So this is what it says. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are in bed. I can't help you. <coughs> now, as Jesus kind of told that story, what you need to understand is that to the Middle Eastern audience, this was a completely ludicrous scenario because hospitality in the Middle East is a sacred duty. Running out of food would have been a person's worst nightmare come true. And so to save his blushes, what he does is he calls on his neighbor in order to help him out. But then it goes on to say this, I tell you this, 
Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you need because of your shameless persistence so that his reputation won't be damaged. In other words, he knows that if he doesn't give what's being asked for, the whole community is going to know about his stingy, rude behavior very quickly. And so, to ensure that his generous reputation remains intact, he gives his neighbor what he wants. Do you get the point? If a grumpy neighbor is willing to get up and give you what you want when it's inconvenient, how much more will God respond to your bold requests? That's what he's saying. Persistence or boldness in prayer overcomes our selfishness, not God's. The more persistent we are, the more it does to change our hearts and our minds, not His. And it helps us to express the intensity of our need. So persistent prayer helps us to recognize God's work. And it goes on later in that chapter in Luke. It says this, that's why we need to keep on asking. And you will receive. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. When we are persistently asking God for something, it means that we're serious about it. We don't have to engage in endless repetition or go to long prayer sessions. It's not about trying to wear God down or persuading him to go against his better judgment. We're being asked to put our trust in him and not give up. So constant prayer simply means keeping our needs before him on a daily basis, believing that he will answer. But we're not terribly good at that, are we? How often... Do you talk with God? When do you do what it is that you actually talk about? Do you ask for things that only bring you a sense of satisfaction? Or do you ask for his approval for what you've already planned to do? How do you approach God in prayer? Sometimes your prayer will be spot on, and I've certainly experienced that. Other times, Uh, And the answer will come really quickly. Uh, Sometimes your prayer will be off-center without realizing it. And again, that's happened with me on many occasions. And when that's the case, the reshaping that's necessary in order to ensure that your prayer corresponds with what he wants uh, is found in the time that you choose to spend in his presence so that what you long for and what he's willing to give actually becomes one. And if you come to prayer with that kind of openness and honesty, I guarantee your prayers will become more powerful and effective than you could ever imagine. Just remember this. Remember this. Prayer isn't asking God to let us do what we want. It's not even asking him to do what we want. Prayer is asking God to do what he wants. That's prayer. Prayer opens the way for God to work, so instead of doing less of it or walking away from it, perhaps as some of us us have done, we need to make more room for it on a daily basis because God will never outgrow our need for his diligent work, his loving kindness, 
and his perfect timing in our lives. And so if we go back to the scripture, it says, keep on asking. That's why we keep on asking on a daily basis. The second reason why prayer needs to be part of our daily routine is because prayer is something that is practiced by millions of people up and down the country who don't consider themselves to be people who are devoted followers of Jesus. Prayer is also meeting an interest in people's experience even though they don't go to church. And in the charity that I work for, what we have discovered is that there is a rhythm of prayer in the lives of many people who don't consider themselves to be religious because for them, times are hard. They're actually scarred by guilt and shame. They're confused by so many things and fearful of the future that they just pray, hoping that there's something better. They pray in the hope that they will find an answer that is better than where they're at or what they're experiencing. And of course, we know only God can provide those answers because the Bible says that he knows just what we need even before we say a word. We have the answer to what they're looking for, and we know it's better than anything that they have heretofore ever experienced. How do I know all of that? Quite simply, because as a charity, we actually did a, um, a we, we read, actually, we, we did some independent market research, but we also got our hands on a survey from Tier Fund in, uh, that, that conducted a survey in 2017. Uh, and the survey discovered that while the church attendance continues to decline, more people across the country are praying. Isn't that an interesting um, stat? In the UK... 27 million people admit to praying, and that's up by 7 million on 10 years ago. And surprisingly, 20% of people who, who, who say that they're not religious actually pray. One in five people pray on a regular basis, whether they believe in God or not. Now, wouldn't you agree that it would be unspeakable, having just talked about the good news of prayer in the way that we have just over the last five, ten minutes, wouldn't you agree that uh, not to share the benefits of that with others is unjustifiable? We need to get this good news out, that God is ready and willing to listen to people when they come to him in prayer. It would be like having uh, the light that people need uh, but actually hiding it under a basket. And this is where try praying comes in. And it encourages anyone and everyone to pray for seven days and see what happens. You know, we often uh, despair as we look out in the world. We turn on our TVs and we see adverts for this. We see reports on that. And everything just merges into the, oh my goodness, what on earth is going on in the world today? And we often think like that. But it occurs to me that when we look at the world and we think like that, we shouldn't actually say, what is wrong with the world? Because the world, in, in, in truth, is simply doing and acting according to its nature. People are living in a world of darkness, and they're acting as though they are. That's where they're living. That's where their reality lies. We ought to say instead, where's the light? You know, where's the influence of people who are following Jesus in the workplace, at the school gate, at the bus stop, 
in the street? Where are the Christians who are willing to shine their light and share the good news of Jesus? You know, when a, a room is dark, you don't curse the darkness. You actually go over to the light switch and you flick on the light, don't you? We bring something of God's ability to change things when we speak the truth, even when it embarrasses us. You know, when we act with integrity and we go back to the store because uh, we've been undercharged and we're willing to pay the full amount, we bring something of the kingdom and the light of God's kingdom into the situation. When we give up our seat on the bus for a person who is elderly, and yes, we bring God's presence when we speak well of Jesus, because when we do, we're introducing people to his kindness, to his patience, to his character, and to his power to transform their lives uh, for the better. There is never a time, no matter what, when God, what, what God is asking us to do, when we can take our foot off the pedal of the importance for reaching out. We're turning a light on. We're announcing that Jesus is Lord, that he cares, and that he can do the impossible. And that's what this little booklet on your table represents. It's what it reveals to people whenever they start reading through it. A number of uh, months ago, I think it was last September, uh, my colleague came into work one morning. She said, I've got a fantastic story. Hold on to your seats. Listen to this story. And she told the story of a lady in her church whose ministry is to go out into a park uh, where she lives in Dunfermline at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, two or three times a week. She goes out in order to uh, uh, help anybody who's maybe been sleeping rough or who's been maybe injecting and, and shooting up and they need help first thing in the morning just to gather themselves together and to get back, in, back on track with the day. And she was wandering through the park on this occasion, and it was about 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And as she walked past this tree, this tree begins to rustle. And she stops and she looks up, and there's a guy up the tree. And she said, what are you doing? And he said, buzz off. He said, just let me do what I want to do. I don't want to talk to you. And as she kind of engaged him in conversation, she realized that he was actually in the process of tying a rope around one of the branches, and she realized that actually he was up the tree with the intention of uh, ending his life. And she said, this is not the right way to do this. Come down from the tree and we'll talk. And he said, no. He said, the only way I'm coming down from the tree is if you come up to get me. And she said, are you kidding me? And she kind of stepped back and she said, I'm 65 years of age, and you want me to... He says, the only way I'm coming out of the tree. And so she climbed the tree. And as she reached the branch, she leant on the branch, and the branch snapped. He then realized, oh, game's up. I can't end my life, so I might as well come down uh, and put my feet back on terra firma. So they came back. She said, look, let me get a hold of um, uh, the police. The police uh, um, will take you back to the hospital because he was actually had been hospitalized, and he was receiving treatment for uh, drug addiction and alcoholism. And he had just decided... No hope for me anymore. I'm just going to end it. But she called the, the police. The police came. And before they actually um, put, him, put him in the back of the car and took him back to the hospital, she gave him a little New Testament and a copy of the Try Praying booklet. And she said, promise me you'll read the booklet. And he said, oh, this will be great for my ciggies. And she said, well, I don't mind. You can rip it up. You can wrap your ciggies in it eventually. But before you do that, please promise me you'll read the booklet. And he said, yep, absolutely. And she said, I'll call you next Thursday. So 
She kept her promise, called him on the Thursday. And the first thing he said to her on the phone was, where can I get some more of those Try Praying booklets? And she said, why? She said, because when I got back to the hospital, a particular nurse was helping me settle back into my, my bed, and she was folding my clothes and putting them back in my locker. And as she put her hand into my jacket, she pulled out the Try Praying booklet, and she said, oh, I'm a Christian. Would you like me to actually sit and read this through with you over the next seven days? And he said, yes, please. So he said, as a result of reading this booklet, he said, I, I, I now realize that I need Jesus in my life. And he said, I've actually begun to pray. And I have prayed that Jesus would make it possible for me to get out of the hospital and into a rehabilitation center so that I can get my life back on track. I've told the staff that. And the staff have told me it may well take four to five months. It's a long waiting list. In point of fact, it took four days. He got a call. He was moved from Dunfermline to Dundee, and uh, he was settled in the uh, drug rehabilitation center. This lady who had helped him in the park, uh, a couple of weeks later, gets a phone call from a lady in Dundee. She's never met, doesn't know, never uh, heard of her before. And this lady says, where can I get some more of those Try Praying books? <laughs> she said, Why? And she said, well, I was at church last week, and this lady came up to me, a friend of mine came up to me at the end of the service, and she said, I feel like the Lord's given me a word for you. And the word is, when you go to your job at the rehabilitation center this afternoon, you're going to meet a man called Alan, and his name was Alan, and the Lord wants you to begin to walk this journey that he's on to faith. So she said, okay. So she goes in. She asks some questions. She finds this guy. She sits down. He tells her his story. And she realizes that he's telling her the story of her own son, who had sadly committed suicide a couple of years previously. And in that moment, she realized that Jesus was saying, here's your new son. Would you take this guy under your wing and walk him along this road to faith? And as a result, the guy is now drug-free. He's joined the local church. He's no longer an alcoholic. He's attending all of the support groups that are necessary for that. But he is pursuing his life in Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? You see, God may be offering you a change of career or an opportunity to move home or to go to university or even to go out onto the mission field to get involved with ministry to the poor, but there will never be a time when he removes the need for us to be talking about Jesus, ever. And all of us can be looking for those opportunities that simply allow us to talk about Jesus, and the more we establish the pattern, the more it reinforces the purpose for which we've been called. In fact, uh, one of the writers uh, in the New Testament says this. He says, be ready when the time is right and even when it's not, whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, whether it's, uh, it's welcome or it's unwelcomed, stay calm, cool, and steady. Work at telling others the good news. This same lady in Dunfermline was going into Glasgow uh, on one uh, particular occasion, and as she left, she was leaving the house, she felt like the Lord said, take two of those Try Praying booklets with you. And she did, put them in her pocket. She got on the bus as they're driving through to Glasgow. Uh, she's sitting behind a young couple who have got 
basically a newborn uh, in their lap. And they're having a conversation about how they're going to afford to live for the next week. And they decide how they're going to do this and where they're going to put this money and how they're going to spend this on such and such a, uh, an item. And at the end of the conversation, uh, the husband says to the wife, of course, uh, you know, if we do that, it means we actually have no money for nappies. And he said, but I've got an idea. When we get to Glasgow, I know a pharmacy quite close to the station. He said, and what will go in? And he said, we'll go in. If you go to the counter where you pay and you distract the staff, I'll nip round the back and I'll grab some bags of nappies and I'll go out the back door and I'll meet you in the square behind and we're good. So it was agreed that's exactly what was going to happen. As they came into the station and they got off the bus, this lady uh, who... Um, it isn't shine coming forward, I guess, <laughs> took the courage to actually tap them on the shoulder and said, excuse me, I know you would maybe think this is rude, but I could not help overhear what you were talking about on the bus, and I, I just don't think that's the way to go about it. She said, I've got a better way. Why don't you let me buy you the nappies? Now, is that not compassion right there? And they went, really, you would do that for us? And she said, yes. She said, on one condition. She said, read this booklet. And they went to the shop, and they bought the nappies. She gave them uh, her mobile number, which she says she never uh, would normally do, but felt it was right to do on this occasion, and they parted company. <coughs> a week later, she gets a phone call, and the, uh, the, the person on the other end is the husband. And he says, do you, do you remember me? Do you remember in the bus station, et cetera? He says, yes, I do. He said, we've been reading this. But he said, this, this Jesus person is somebody we really want to know. How do we get to know him more? And she was able to actually introduce them to an alpha course. And that's what they've been doing over the last number of weeks in order to find Jesus and welcome him uh, into their lives. Can I tell you one more story? And then we're finished. We were at a, a, a conference, where it, we had a stall at a conference. It was quite a scary conference, actually. It was a, a conference called Women Walking with God. And there were two guys amongst 1,200 women. So we kind of stayed very close together. Um, got a little scary when they closed all the men's loos down. And we were, what? What? <laughs> but uh, we made it in and we made it out. And, um, you know. Uh, it was it was fine, but in the course of the um, uh, of the the weekend, uh, we had a, a lady come to the stall and and, and she said, "I, I want to buy some more of the booklets because it's my practice to keep them in my handbag, and I as, as I have the opportunity and the Lord uh, shows me, I give them away." Uh, and she said, "I, I just want to. Can I tell you a story?" Well, we love stories. <laughs> stories fuel what we do, and we said, "Yes, please tell us the story." And she said, "Well, um, I, I live uh, on the coast." And uh, uh, she said, our next-door neighbors are not Christians, uh, but we've lived in the same house, and they've been our neighbors for the last 20 years. Uh, they know we're Christians, uh, and we've had occasional conversations, but nothing you know, hugely dramatic in terms of faith or Christianity. Uh, but on this one occasion, two months ago, she said, uh, uh, the, the lady from next door knocked on my door, and she said, can I come in? She said, I have dreadful news, dreadful news, and I just need to talk to someone. She said, absolutely, come in. So she brought her in. She sat her down over a cup of coffee. She explained that her husband had just been given the news that he was dying of cancer. And, uh, and the, the, the lady's house that they were in said, well, 
would it be okay if I prayed with you about that? And this lady from next door, she said, well, I said to my husband, if, if I go next door and I share this news, I, I guarantee they'll want to pray with us. And she said, you're, that's exactly what you're going to do. And she said, yes, please, would you pray? And so she prayed with the lady, and she said, oh, by the way, here's, look, you may find this helpful. It may not be appropriate right now in this moment, but you might find it helpful to read this little booklet, and, uh, and uh, you can talk to me about it anytime. And she gave the booklet away, and the lady went back uh, to her home. Two weeks later, uh, the lady, the Christian lady was on the beach, and she's uh, walking in one direction, realizes that the husband that they'd prayed for, let's call him Bob, I don't know his name, but Bob is walking in the other direction with his dog. And so um, she thinks, Ooh, okay, I'm going to have to address the subject and stop and speak. And so they have a conversation uh, in the middle of the beach, and she says, how are things? And Bob says, that booklet you gave us, wow. He said, I've read that booklet twice. He said, the God in that booklet is a really big God. And she said, yeah, he is. He says, he's, he's actually so vast. He said, I don't feel comfortable praying to him anywhere than other in a big open space like this. I thought, what a profound thought from someone who doesn't follow Jesus. <laughs> and they talked for a few minutes, and he said, oh, and by the way, I don't have cancer anymore. Amazing. So we rejoice in the fact that he's got healed of cancer, but we rejoice more in the fact that he's actually found Jesus. So, I want to challenge you this morning. You up for a challenge? These little booklets on your table. Um, I want you to take one, and I want you to do uh, three things. We call it use it and lose it, okay? You take the booklet. I want you to go home. I want you to read it for a week, okay? Because I think there's integrity in knowing what's in the booklet if you're going to pass it on. Read the booklet and just say to the Lord, speak to me in the course of reading the booklet uh, about my life and about my relationship with you in prayer. But at the end of the week, then say, okay, Lord, I've now read it. Give me a divine appointment. Show me who I should hand this booklet on to. And it's all about starting conversations. So it could be with someone within your own social circle, at work or at home or, or in some other uh, context. It could be someone you know. It might be a complete stranger. I don't know. But ask God, who should I say, give this booklet to? And when you give it away, just say, why don't you try this booklet and try praying for seven days and see what happens. You don't need to say any more than that and go on your way. And having given the booklet away, then come back and ask Kate or Ben or Debbie or Graham or whoever else leads in, in the church here for another copy. Because you need, I promise you, you need to have one in your back pocket or in your handbag so that when the moment strikes and God says, give it to that person, you're not fumbling about and thinking, I wish that I hadn't left it at home, but you've actually got it on your person. Would you do that? Are you up for that challenge? So I don't want to see any of these booklets left on the table. Is that fair? I don't want to have to take them home. All right? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking. This, this is homework, of course, that you don't have to hand in. But it is homework. And God's watching. <laughs> joking, joking. Okay? All right. That's me done. Let's pray together. Father, we, we do thank you for the way in which you work in people's lives. We thank you that you're a creative God. 
And we ask that you'd help us to be creative and yet be simply available to you to use in order to lift up your great name. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Good. Uh, Mark, I, I'm not sure if Mark is... Oh, you are. Great. You're going to take over? Great. Thank you, David. That was really encouraging to hear those stories um, and what's been going on. Thank you, Ben and Kate, as well, for everything you do. Have a lovely holiday. <laughs> Why don't you crawl out, Kate? <laughs> um, so we're just going to move into a time of ministry, um, which is when we um, ask God to sort of show us where he is in the room, what he's doing. We believe he's here already. Um, but it's just asking, what, what are you up to, God? Who are you speaking to? What are you speaking about? That kind of thing. So um, I think we've been, both of us have been praying this morning and asking God for a few things. Um, do you want to start off? Yeah. I often get pictures about food, which I'm always like, am I just hungry? But then I research and I'm like, oh, actually, this means something. Um,